Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security, and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. I am Clive Ennevar, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Craig Dempsey about entrepreneurs. As an Australian national, Craig started his career working for the armed forces. He completed combat tours across Asia and the Middle East before leaving and finding his way to the mining sector, where he worked in Canada, Australia, Colombia and Peru. Craig co-founded Biz Latin Hub in 2014. This is an organisation that supports local and foreign businesses that want to enter Latin American markets. Craig, welcome. Look, thanks very much. Much uh, very pl- a pleasure to be on the call. Great to have you, and especially because you'll be able to tell us things about entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial activities and so on. But what a varied life you've had to date. Yeah, look, uh, I've been fortunate. I've had the opportunity to do a few different things uh, and to visit quite a few locations. Um, You know, it's been one of those things, you know, part luck and I guess uh, part's been right place, right time. And, uh, you know, it sort of brought me to where I am today. Must have been a heck of an experience to find yourself in, well, South America, which from all reports is vastly different to Australia. Yeah, look, um, you know, obviously there's it's quite a lot of difference from a cultural and language perspective. Um, and look, you know, to be fair, I'm very grateful that I've managed to, to get myself down here. Um, you know, for a little bit of context, I was actually in Canada uh, running mining projects when I was there. Uh, and I received a phone call uh, and out of the blue and said, hey, look, do you want to catch up for, for dinner tomorrow? I said, sure, no worries. Went and had dinner. And effectively, the guy said, look, you know, I've just basically appointed the CEO to run a mining company in Peru. Do you want to come down? Uh, and coincidentally enough, it was pissing down rain as it does in Vancouver, about 120 days per year or whatever it is. Um, so I took my offer. You know, 24 hours later, I was in, um, in Peru. I didn't speak a word of Spanish, had no idea. Um, and that was sort of my first experience in Latin America. Uh, and simply to get by, particularly in the mining sites, which are in, in fairly regional uh, Peru, I used to have to have someone walk around behind me with a whiteboard. So when I was communicating, I could draw pictures and recast what I wanted people to do. Um, so, look, it was an interesting experience. Um, you know, a, a memorable thing specifically, I was in this mining camp, which is basically a, ho- a local hotel, and I didn't know how to order food. And as you can appreciate, this is probably, you know, seven, eight years ago now, maybe nine and basically my phone didn't have um, Google Translate at the time. Um, so I didn't know how to order food, and all I could say was fruit and eggs. So basically, for the first month, I survived on just ordering fruit and eggs. It was pretty much my meals every day. So, look, it was an interesting experience, everything from a cultural language uh, and how, how business is done. But uh, very grateful for the experience and still here and happy. We can hear in your voice that you're a get-up-and-have-a-go sort of character. Obviously, uh accepting a role in Peru when you were in Canada is another part of that get up and have a go idea. Look, no one's ever accused me of being smart. Uh, People accuse me of giving things a go. So look, you know, my policy is always, you know, plan, do what you can to to understand the risks and and everything. But the reality is, you know, the only way to really know is to give it a go. Uh, You know, no one's ever 
turned around after doing something and said, I wish I didn't do it realistically. You know, you've got to get in there, give it a go. And, you know, who knows, you might actually be successful and be happy. I mean, if I adopted the conservative approach, I'd probably still be sitting in Canada working in for a very large mining company. And still being rained upon for 120 days each year. Yeah, look, it was quite the experience. You know, when I first relocated uh, to, to Canada, um, I was actually flying there, spending three weeks there, one week back in Australia. And I was going from uh, Australian summer to Canadian winter. And this wasn't uh, initially in Vancouver. This was f- f- further north, uh, basically near the, the top of British Columbia. Um, so it's sort of fairly high up. So it was extreme weather differences. And uh, it was interesting, um, very appreciated, but never have worn so many clothes in my life and uh, gone through temperatures that were minus 30, minus 40, et cetera. Yeah, it's a heck of a change, all right, from plus 30 and 40. Yeah, look, um, once again, one of those things, I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, very grateful for the opportunity. Uh, it simply came down to the time that uh, the mining company I worked for was taking over the Canadian division, integrating as part of the Australian division. Uh, so they set up a team and I was lucky enough to be part of that. And, you know, I didn't really know much more than, you know, hop on a plane, end up there and, you know, make the best of it. And I'm guessing... Craig, that that's precisely how you started this organisation. Yeah, look, to be fair, uh, there wasn't any plan to to create the, the company BizLatin Hub. Uh, and actually, to be fair, this was sort of, there were two previous, I guess, ventures that we set up that evolved into this uh, based on the fact that we had to pivot as the other ones weren't doing so well. Um, and realistically, we, you know, probably two years later, after sort of working on the, the company, did we actually realise we were somewhat successful? Uh, and then sort of, I guess, fast forward, uh, recently we had our fifth birthday. Uh, we had quite a large celebration here in uh, Bogota in Colombia. Um, and, you know, I guess we're lucky now that we've got offices in 14 countries. We're opening a couple of new offices, et cetera. So, uh, once again, a lot of it comes down to giving it a go, hard work and a little bit of luck. So in the space of five and a bit years, you've managed to move yourself into offices in 14 different countries. That is correct. We're in 14 uh, countries right now. We have offices in. Uh, we're opening two more at the moment, one in Guatemala and Bolivia. Uh, probably in, in quarter three, we'll open another one in Dominican Republic. Um, so, you know, we're getting pretty close to, I guess, the, the lucky number of 20. Uh, it's what we hope to be by the middle of next year. Uh, but, yeah, no, look, yeah, the reality is I've always worked on the policy that uh, just believe in yourself, give it a crack, uh, and damn well work hard. And that's probably a fair description of uh, what an entrepreneur is, or do you have a different or better one? No, look, I, I you know, and I, this is perhaps slightly overdramatic, uh, but when I do explain to people what entrepreneurship is about, I put it down to, look, it's similar to being in the army. Every day you get up and before you go out that gate, you know, for on operations, you don't exactly know who's going to be there. When you go out that gate, you don't know what's going to happen. But the reality is there's only one thing that you need to know, and that's the fact that you have to win. Um, I mean, entrepreneurship is tough. Uh, the reality is um, there is no second chance in many cases. So you, the only thing you can accept is to win. Uh, and that's why, you know, I have a lot of um, time and patience and, you know, also belief in people that are willing to give things a go because, you know, to put everything on the line, to actually go and start something yourself is quite a commendable thing. Uh, you know, I can definitely support that and you know, do, we always do our best to help that. I'm gathering, because at this stage I don't know too much about BizLet and Hub, but I'm gathering that that's what BizLet and Hub does. Is that right? Look, that, that is true. Uh, I mean, fundamentally, BizLet and Hub itself, uh, we basically work with our clients to help them understand the market uh, and to do business. 
Now, we do that through providing a series of accounting, legal, and I guess consultancy sort of services. Uh, initially, when we started out, we found ourselves particularly working with a lot of individuals and SMEs. Uh, however, realistically, these days, the vast majority of our client clients are, are large corporations. Uh, and for most of those clients, we operate across multiple jurisdictions. Uh, so we work with some of the largest companies in the world. You know, it, of course, there's still some smaller ones, but, you know, where we're unique is the fact that, you know, we can help a client enter and operate across an entire region uh, rather than an individual country and those sorts of things. So, uh, you know, it's quite rewarding in the fact that, uh, you know, we operate across uh, multiple different sectors and, you know, we're supporting those those, country, uh, those, those companies. So it gives me a lot of exposure speaking with CEOs and CFOs and, and all the rest of it or some of the biggest companies in the world and, you know, understanding their business models and how they do business which definitely always things that you know we can learn from and incorporate ourselves. There's always something that can rub off, as we say here in Oz. Yes, look, there's, there's, there is a lot. Um, and it's like everything. You surround yourself by the right people and just by virtue, you'll actually learn something. Um, and I've always worked on that policy. Um, you know, the same thing, you know, when I'm hiring people, et cetera. You know, I always look for, you know, intelligence and having that, someone who's willing to have a go more over education and what schools and, and all the rest of it, you know, having someone who's smart can learn, can adapt and overcome, you know, is quite, you know, important character traits. Yes. There's certainly the sort of traits I imagine that you would need to be hopping from one country to another and understanding the different rules. Uh, and of course, understanding the different cultures. Look, yeah, uh, you know, we operate uh, across the 14 countries now um, and those countries themselves, depending on the, on the jurisdiction, can operate in English, Spanish or Portuguese. So we have a language. Then the fact, depending on their heritage, some may trace their heritage back to the UK, some by through to Europe, uh, through to Spain, through to Portugal. So their legal systems and frameworks are very different. And then culturally, whilst they may even speak the same language, how they our uh, personal, you know, what's important in their culture, et cetera, is very different. Uh, and some, even though speaking the same language, actually have different words depending on the, on the jurisdiction uh, or the country you're in. So, you know, th there is those things. Uh, however, that's also one of the rewarding parts is the fact that, you know, being able to pull that together and actually make it work. Uh, one of the things we do, as I said, uh, every year is we have our, our corporate, um, I guess, planning session. So we bring an office manager from every country, plus a few higher performing employees to Colombia, and we sort of spend a week sort of doing planning. Uh, and at the end, of it, we have a celebration where basically for every country that we have uh, an office, we have food and drinks and cultural things from their country. And we invite, you know, quite a lot of, um, I guess, partners and clients and, and embassies, et cetera, along. So, you know, we, we do, I guess, uh, celebrate that diversity and differences. However, you know, if you can harness that and put it in the right direction, it can be quite successful, which we have been. Yeah, and I'm pleased to hear that you're actually celebrating those differences. Because uh, too often, of course, uh, people want to, well, turn away from difference. It seems to frighten a lot of people. But uh, how do you find that the people that you're working with uh, react to that idea of bringing everything together and sharing? Well, we, we actually, you know, at the end of the day, people in Latin America are very welcoming um, compared to other jurisdictions and, I guess, parts of the world. Um, so in general, you know, it's quite well accepted and supported. Um, you know, in the company itself, we have, you know, 15, 20 different nationalities. And we also run an intern program where we take foreign interns from all over the world that come and do internships with us. Um, so what we find is um, we're in one of the unique positions. We might have a, a junior accountant. 
doesn't actually have any foreign friends or things. Suddenly, by working in the company, they're getting to interact with foreign clients from all around the world, uh, working with colleagues from different jurisdictions, different languages, etc. So you know, we do celebrate that diversity, uh, and we think that actually brings a lot of strength to what we do. I can see very well how that would uh, you know, build that strength that you mentioned. When you started out, however, you, know, you mentioned that uh, you didn't uh, have Spanish, but how's your Spanish now, by the way, Craig? Yeah, no, it's pretty good. Um, it's pretty good, although, to be fair, uh, it's something that uh, you know, I should be working on still. Uh, what we find, though, is the large portion of our clients these days, being multinationals, all want to operate in English. Uh, and, and just a simple example to show that, you know, I guess the enthusiasm of the people across Latin America is if they ever get the chance, they'll prefer to practice their English rather than listen to you in Spanish. Uh, just simply on the fact they actually want to learn languages. They want to understand more about different cultures and things, uh, which, you know, perhaps, you know, some other countries, even Australia, et cetera, you know, um, perhaps taking languages slightly more seriously might be a good thing in the future. Yes, if we can all speak with each other, it might make a big difference to us all getting along better. Uh, it would. I'm not, I'm not sure about yourself, Clyde, but I know when I went through the education system back in Oz, um, you know, languages, whilst you used to do it here and there, definitely wasn't, um, you know, core or central to, to your studies. No, I, I remember something like that as well, Craig, from when I went to school. But anyway, enough about that. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's jump uh, up to when you started this uh, Biz Latin Hub, um, 2014, what were some of the major challenges you encountered and, and found that just by having a go or through other means that you were able to overcome them? Look, I would say the hardest thing of any sort of, you know, services company um, is to get clients. It's as simple as that. I mean, services companies are about having arms and legs and by bringing them together, you can offer some sort of service or product to clients which pay you. Uh, and you could be the best in the world at what you do. However, if you can't get clients then you don't have a business. Um, so that was something we grappled with. Uh, and it's quite a difficult thing. However, we took a slightly different approach compared to any other law firm or accounting firm or money or anyway, is we decided that we would actually focus online. Um, and therefore, basically, what we developed a, a website online. We developed an ecosystem through social networks and everything else. Um, and from there, we were able to build a website um, which nowadays we get approximately one to two million visits per year. We secure about 70% of our, our clients that work uh, through that. And even all the global partnerships we do have all came through by those global partners finding online. So by, it's, by going online, we're able to sort of bridge that gap and cross those borders, uh, you know, I guess, fairly economically. Uh, and also position ourselves that it's very difficult for a competitor tomorrow to make it to uh, because it takes time to build your website, build the content, uh, and basically ensure. Well, I'm pleased to see that you jumped online early uh, in your existence. I mean, the internet had been around for a good while by 2014, of course, but jumping on straight away to build your presence that way, I'm I'm impressed. No, it was, it was a different approach. Uh, I mean, pretty much every law firm, uh, in, for example, let's just pick whichever country, Mexico, Colombia, et cetera. At the end of the day, if we would try to go head-to-head -head with those law firms or accounting firms, et cetera, we would have no chance. Uh, you know, they've been established 50, 100 years. Uh, they have a ridiculous uh, established connections and infrastructure, et cetera. So competing head-to-head -head was pretty pointless. So we decided, well, let's look for an opportunity we could actually 
get those clients uh, from a different means. And therefore, rather than going head to head, we found there's a way that we go around them uh, to achieve what we want. There's no point, no point uh, that real estate is very difficult to achieve your number one thing, which is the clients. Um, you know, you need to look at how you're going to do that to be a sustainable model. Yes, identifying your unique position, what's unique about you, and marrying that up with potential clients is proven again by you to be an absolutely wonderful thing to do. Yeah, look, we, we, were, we were lucky. Uh, as I said, whilst it was a determined decision at the time, um, you know, we, we've been lucky in the fact we've managed to pull it off. Uh, and the reality is, you know, those early stages of having a company without having those clients, it makes it difficult. Obviously, you're trying to build that online presence at the same time you're trying to win any client realistically. And uh, as you can appreciate, you know, early companies, entrepreneurial companies, et cetera, at the early days don't have that history, don't have those client referrals, et cetera. Um, so, you know, it's quite tough in those days. Uh, you know, nowadays we're somewhat fortunate. Uh, we have quite an established, uh, you know, system infrastructure, history, et cetera. Um, so I, I find these days, whilst we win much larger clients, perhaps the work and services we do is far more complicated, the reality is it's far easier today than it was when we first started. Um, so, you know, that's why I always look back on those days and you know, realise how hard we worked. There was a bit of luck involved. Yeah, I've got a little saying about luck. I think it's, uh, it's where preparation meets opportunity, isn't it? True. Uh, the reality is most make their own luck. Uh, however, you know, there, is, there is a part that, um, you know, that you don't control. Um, so the key thing is to plan uh, and to be flexible and agile and to, to adapt or pivot to ensure you, you know, you get your outcomes. Yes, I'm pleased to hear you say that, that uh, a lot of people think that planning means that you're locked into a particular point. But as you say, being agile and able to cope with what comes your way within your plan is a very important thing. Did you find that in creating those plans, uh, was that a, a difficult thing to undertake? No. Uh, I mean, look, realistically, uh, when we were analysing and understanding the market and the opportunity, et cetera, uh, as much as anything else, we were living it uh, and therefore a lot of these things became apparent. You know, before I, I created this business, I was managing a, an engineering services company in Latin America. So I was seeing firsthand the complications and difficulties. Um, so it helped me to understand, I guess, the opportunity uh, and then realistically through, I guess, determination and hard work and you know, also, I guess, monitoring progress, you know, we're able to, to set the business up and progress from there. Um, to the point that these days, realistically, when we do establish a new office, and perhaps is we're in a fortunate position here, is whilst we do online marketing and planning, et cetera, realistically, when we, when we go and open that office, we actually don't worry about, I guess, understanding the local market. I think we leave them, build it, and they will come. But the reality is you need to where that's practical. I'm starting to guess that the reason you're in... Latin America, and I want to address that bit first, is also the reason people find it difficult to get into Latin America. But let's address that first bit first. What is the, the main attraction for you to be in Latin America? 
Look, I guess from a personal perspective, um, you know, I, I, I left um, home when I was 17 and really ended up finding myself in the army and the military academy and overseas, etc. Why? Because I was looking for an adventure, looking to learn, looking to experience and looking to travel. And I guess real estate with those sorts of um, aspirations took me through mining, through Canada, through Latin America. So I guess it's a sense of adventure, sense of opportunity, but also a sense of making a mark on the world, so to speak. So, you know, that's what brought me here. Uh, very happy here. Uh, and this is where I am for the time being anyway. And what is it that keeps you there? Because you're not travelling to new parts anymore. You, you've settled in this area and uh, established business connections and all sorts of things of that nature. Something's keeping you there. Sure. Look, uh, yeah, the reality on, on the travel front, I actually spent about eight months of last year travelling. Um, as I said, having offices in 14 countries and our clients coming from many other countries outside of that, it does allow me to travel a lot. It's fantastic, which is why I love um, but realistically, you know, where, I, to be fair, you know, I, I still see in this part of the world, it's an enormous amount of people, a, a GDP, I think, in the vicinity of you know, five, six trillion or whatever it is. Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. The market's still inefficient. Uh, it presents opportunities for developing companies, uh, you know, I guess, uh, looking for those opportunities. Um, so that's why I guess why I was on here. It's probably more the opportunity presents it. And when you're approached by a company or business from other parts that wants to enter into the Latin American markets, what are the obstacles that they face that you're able to overcome with them? Sure. Look, you know, there's the obvious ones that in most cases language is an issue. Um, in most cases, our clients that do approach us, approach us in English, although there are exceptions from, from Spain, et cetera. So language is one in that culture. Uh, bridging the cultural gap and you know, understanding the fact that um, how people, what motivates people uh, in this part of the world is different to perhaps what they're used to. However, what is the largest factor, and this is where, to be fair, where we actually make a difference, is helping them understand the legal framework on how things operate. Um, for this, for here's a simple example. Uh, in Colombia, it is it's probably two to three times a day I'll have to sign a document and then get an inkwell and then fingerprint that document. Why? It's just standard practice in Colombia. You have to fingerprint documents. Therefore, things have to be done in person. Um, and explain that perhaps someone from Australia, which is used to just, no, I just do everything online. Um, it's quite a, a, different, a difficult concept. Another one is explaining that um, similar to in Australia, you have a justice of the peace. Uh, which I actually am a justice of these, uh, they have a thing called a notary over here, which is basically a shop front for government. So pretty much every signature of, of any gov uh, governmental document, any commercial contract, et cetera, you physically have to go there in person and sign the document, um, whereas you can't just simply sign at home and think that's going to be sufficient. So understanding how some of these basic things operate is really important because at the end of the day, these things trace themselves back to uh, Spain or Portugal, and realistic Napoleonic law, which is very different to the common law system that we would have in Australia. So trying to bridge that gap and put things in the context they understand allows them to be able to operate within the environment and, you know, hopefully succeed. Uh, and it's a very common thing, and how they operate is all very different between the jurisdictions. What a notary is in Colombia is different to what a notary is in Mexico. But, uh, you know, explaining some of these simple concepts of how things operate. Uh, another one is... You know, you create a company in Latin America. Most jurisdictions point what's the equivalent? It's called a legal representative. 
which is basically the legal face of the local company and is legally and financially responsible for the good operation of the company. So therefore, that appointment itself actually is somebody that actually needs to be a local national or a foreigner with the right to live in the right country. So you know, it's quite a unique position, which we, we don't have to do in Australia in um, you know, your priority limits, et cetera. So explaining some of the statutory differences and requirements is quite different. Um, you know, as a company in most jurisdictions needs to basically prepare and file taxes every month. So it's like doing your company tax return you do in Australia annually, but on a monthly basis. Um, so it's just a lot of differences. Understanding that this regulatory, fiscal, and um, legal system, and putting into a context they can understand, and then obviously all our lawyers and accountants to work with them to, to bring into practice. Yes, and you, you've done a good job of explaining uh, why it is that you're uh, so sought after, because I can imagine those little differences tripping up an enormous amount of people and creating such frustration that they actually give up. Is it, do you see that happen at all? Uh, frustration uh, all the time. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're a unique concept, even in this part of the world, that we're an accounting and legal company combined, uh, which is quite rare. Um, and no, we see a lot of our clients um, get very, very frustrated. And yes, we can remove a lot of the frustration, but the reality is some of that still exists. Uh, I mean, I, another simple example is if you send money into Colombia, the money actually doesn't go to your account in Colombia. It first goes to the national bank. You, your local company then needs to send an application to the central bank to explain where those funds came from, why they came in, before they're released into your bank account. You know, just a simple process that can take a few extra days just to do a transfer that isn't common in a lot of other jurisdictions. So, you know, with everything here, you know, there is a will, there's a way. Uh, it's just a more bureaucratic system and requires a lot more hands-on activity uh, and, you know, things done in person than perhaps we're familiar with, you know, in, I guess, the more efficient markets like Australia. Your attention to detail has got to be really high. Uh, yes, I, I guess it was one of the things that uh, I, I, can, I can give thanks to the Army at the time, um, you know, spending all those hours polishing shoes and, and all the rest of the Army and cleaning rooms, etc., and, and rifles and things. It did give me a very good attention to detail, which... Uh, the reality has paid off. Uh, and it's something that in society in general, there isn't enough of, uh, you know, even this part of the world and clients as well as our own staff. We see too many times that, you know, little mistakes um, can actually you know, do a lot of problems. And I'm really pleased to hear you say that because there's very often I, I run across situations where somebody makes a little mistake and leaves it unaddressed, only to see it turn up in a really big one. Your attention to detail actually allows people who want to enter the markets where you operate to move into them far more easily with far less stress and, and worry just because you understand the differences. Yeah, look, I guess one of the main things we can do is, is to help clients understand the difference and from a cultural point of view. So usually when we do things, we say, well, this is how it operates here and this is how you could compare that to Australia or the US. So we always try to put things into context they understand. Um, and we, uh, the reality is we can always find a path forward and simply a matter for most clients is saying, look, this is a situation, but more importantly, this is how you move forward. Okay? I mean, we, we other, and to be fair, we have cases where clients don't listen. Uh, we, had a, we had a client recently... Uh, got a document that was sealed, uh, which is basically through the Department of Foreign Affairs in Australia. They mailed the document to us. 
We asked them to send us a, a, a photo of the document before they sent it, which they didn't. The document arrived in the country. We then took it to a notary to be accepted and they rejected it because the apostille wasn't done the right way. Now, at the end of the day, if we saw the document, a photo which we asked for, which many times we could have told them it's not accepted that way. And even though the Australian government was the one who did it, it doesn't matter when it gets to this end, it's either right or wrong. So small mistake, but actually end up putting things back to quite a large company for at least a month. Why understanding need and method is very, very important. And uh, you're fulfilling that role for people, which is excellent. I think what you're outlining here is a really good example for people who are thinking of becoming an entrepreneur, what's needed to be an entrepreneur, what's needed to start a business. You've got some really good examples there because you're talking about your customers need a particular thing. The way to get it is very, very different from what they are generally used to and you're providing the ideal service to meld those two things together and have each side understand what's going on, even though, as you just pointed out, uh, it's, it's right or it's wrong in certain jurisdictions. What's the, what's the biggest thing you have got out of being this entrepreneurial type person and setting up this business? Look, you know, it sort of comes back to, I guess, why I became an entrepreneur, so to speak. Uh, and realistically, I love it. Uh, why? In many respects, because I find it rewarding because it's doing something, you know, that I believe in, but also presents a lot of freedom. Now, that's freedom in a positive way that you can make decisions and you get rewards. It's obviously the freedom in the negative way that uh, you take all the risk. Uh, however, look, you know, to be fair, the experience has been very rewarding, very hard. I definitely had its positives and negatives, but uh, I definitely wouldn't say it for Great things to hear. I think that somebody can just have a go and with appropriate planning and effort, you, you come out on top. Uh, and how do we know you're coming out on top in, what, five and a bit years? You've got 14 officers and uh, you mentioned you're aiming for 20. When are, the, when are you going to have the 20th one open, Craig? Look, realistically, we've got two opening right now. So that will take us to 16. I would say probably about March, April next year, we'll get to the 20 officers. That sounds like a pretty good goal to me. Before we let you go, what's the best tip you have received from a business conversation? Look, I would say the best tip that I've received personally is to understand your cash flow. Uh, it's great to have great aspirations, great ideas, great plans, great vision, all these sorts of things. But at the end of the day, if you don't monitor your cash, you can't pay your bills. Uh, it's as simple as that. Uh, and as I explained to my new, new office manager, at the end of the day, the most important responsibility is to make sure money comes in and it's more than money goes out. And the key thing is you need to make sure you have money in your account to meet our responsibilities. Uh, and that, I would say that's the most important thing for that. Uh, the reality is... It's probably not something I appreciated when I first started. Uh, and we had some, you know, some, I guess, some significant issues about year two based on simply cash flow. Uh, so it's definitely something to take to heart now and probably the first lesson that I would pass on to anybody. Craig, what is the top piece of advice you would like to leave listeners with today? We might have just covered that. <laughs> look, yeah, look, that probably is. Uh, I guess other pieces of advice I would give is know your staff. Uh, most important, understand your staff, what motivates them, uh, and more importantly, how you can get them to achieve the best outcomes for you. 
uh, end of the day, staff, professional services business like us are a most important asset. Uh, and I guess the other one is to give it a go. Uh, the simple thing, it's great to have these plans, it's great to have these ideas, but if you don't actually do it, you'll never know whether it was a good idea or not. So I would sort of finish on the fact that I think it's good, try and de-risk it, plan it, but then do it. Most importantly, Craig, before we let you go, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? Sure. Look, uh, please, uh, I guess, visit our website, uh, which is www.bizlatinhub.com. You can go onto the website. You can see more about our services, our history. Uh, We actually maintain quite an active blog uh, about uh, doing business and understanding that the business environment in Latin America we produce articles daily. And, of course, there's a contact us page. So at www.bizlatinhub.com. And that Biz Latin Hub is all one word. Biz is spelt B-I-Z, Latin Hub, bizlatinhub.com. That's Craig, great. this has been great. You've provided us with tremendous information and uh, I appreciate your great enthusiasm notwithstanding you've spent uh, five and a half years building this you're still uh, ultra enthusiastic to continue the growth uh, good on you and thank you for being here no look, thanks very much for the opportunity clive it's much appreciated uh, always here to help and uh, you know as i said you know for those people listening that uh, are thinking about doing something my advice is go do it Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app and you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au. 